Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Colossians 1, 20-27, called Christ in You, the Hope of Glory. Look, being grounded doesn't mean you're not going to be pounded. Ask the Apostle Paul when you get to heaven. But he says, but none of these things move me. Acts 20, I'm going to finish the race. We had a men's breakfast yesterday, and Chris Groma shared with us, and he shared about a runner. She was running the 600 meters. It's pretty much a sprint. It's three laps around the track, but you're running you know, at a sprint pace the whole time. And she was running. She was like second or maybe even first, and she got tripped by another runner and fell flat on her face. Now, these, these ladies were going at a very strong clip. I looked at the video. She fell on her face, got back up with about a lap to go, and ended up passing everybody and won the race. Don't quit. Don't quit. Get up. If you've fallen, get up again. None of these things move me. Pastor shared, uh, this was a Bible verse from the New King James uh, Version of Acts 20, 23. Don McClure, he said, he would write notes to people, Acts 20, 23, none of these things move me in the New King James, or it might be verse 24. And uh, he said it was his verse, and he would end correspondence with it. And he said he was going through a tough time in life, And uh, a lot of stuff was going on. And he said he was walking around this building one night just asking questions about God. And he said, God, what are you doing? Why is this happening? And God spoke to his heart and said, is this going to move you? And he said, that's unfair, Lord. You had 66 books in the Bible, all kinds of verses, thousands of Bible verses. And you had to use my verse on me. That's my verse. Sometimes it happens, you know, we like to write our little Bible verses. Here, here you go, brother or sister. But do you believe your own Bible verse? Do you have a life verse that you really believe or do you just write it down? It's like the guy who went to the cleaners and he'd been eyeing this store for a while and it said, it said 24-hour cleaners. So he showed up there at six in the morning and the door was locked. So he called the store later, and he goes, what's going on? And he said, I thought you guys were the 24-hour cleaners. And the business owner responded, no, that's just the name of the business. We're not open 24 hours a day. (laughs) Yeah. I finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. In the Greek construction of this language, it can mean don't be shaken from your faith. There's going to be things that shake you in this life, no doubt. I mean, look at Nick's story. What if you were Nick's mom and dad and you were pastoring a church? Can you imagine what he went through as he went to school? He spent a good portion of his life in public school. Can you imagine what he went through? It's no wonder at age eight he wanted to commit suicide. Now, he's changing lives all over the world. You know, sometimes our greatest 
struggle in life can become our greatest platform for ministry. Sometimes we think, oh, there's no way God could redeem this situation. There's no hope in this. And God uses that very thing to give hope to others. You know, when we're real with people, it gives people hope. When we're honest about even our own weaknesses, it gives people hope. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Now I rejoice, says Paul, verse 24, Colossians 1, in my sufferings, what? What Did, did that read right? I rejoice, what? I, I don't like that verse. Let's go to the verse 25. <laughs> Wait a minute, it, it does say that. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up that which is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Now, all God's people say, what? (laughs) What does this verse mean? Well, Paul wrote Colossians from where? From prison. And though he had never met the Colossian believers, Paul was the Gentile or the the apostle to the Gentiles. He wasn't a Gentile, but he was the apostle to the Gentiles. And he suffered all over the Roman world. He spent time on the open sea floating around on pieces of wood. He got beat up with rods and lashed with a whip. Spent time in prison, insults, threats. In one place, he was stoned and left for dead. They threw rocks at him, hoped he was dead, and just left him lying there. The great apostle Paul. And he said, well, why did you do that, Paul? He says, because I was suffering for your sake. I went around the Roman world so you could get the hope of the gospel. There's no television back in the day, no cell phones. The only way you got a message to someone is either through written correspondence or an oral Spoken message. That was it. So Paul said, I was willing to suffer because now I know what's happening in your life. I was willing to get the gospel to you. Dr. Helen Rosevere, a British medical doctor, had served more than 20 years in Zaire, Africa. For 12 and a half years, she had a frenetic but generally wonderful time serving as the only doctor to an area containing more than a half million people. Today, about one and a half million But in 1964, in the revolution, it overwhelmed the country. She and her co-workers were thrown into five and a half months of almost unbelievable brutality and torture. On one occasion, when Dr. Rosevere was on the verge of being executed, a 17-year-old student came to her defense and was savagely beaten as a result. He was kicked about like a football and left for dead. Dr. Rosevere was very sick. For a moment, she thought that God had forsaken her even though she did not doubt his reality. But God stepped in, overwhelmed her with the sense of his own presence and said something like this to her heart. 20 years ago, you asked me for the privilege of being a missionary, the privilege of being identified with me. These are not your sufferings. These are my sufferings. As the force of that hit home, the doctor said she was overcome with a great sense of privilege Helen Rosevere's sense of identification with Christ, of union with him, was elevated by her suffering, and she rejoiced. Paul likewise rejoiced in the sublime oneness he sensed as Christ participated with him in his sufferings. 
you know, this is not a subject that we all want to hear about, but the reality is, is that people suffer for the gospel. It's been happening for 2,000 years. It's happening in the Middle East right now. I heard a story where uh, a man who was a, he was part of ISIS, went around a corner and he saw three Christians being crucified on crosses. And I'm talking about a story within the last year, by the way. Three Christians being crucified on crosses. And one of the Christians smiled at this man right before he died from crucifixion. And that smile won this man to Christ. And he's now testifying his faith in Christ all over the world. This is what God does. You say, well, is there something in Christ's sufferings that are lacking? I thought Christ's work was complete at the cross. There's some people who say that maybe in this verse there's the idea of the Roman Catholic teaching of purgatory, that people have to suffer and then they finally enter into glory. They have to pay for their own sins, but that's totally against Paul's argument in the whole flow of this text. He just said we're free from accusation. He just said we're reconciled by the blood of the cross, so then what does this mean? Here's what Paul is saying, I believe. I believe that what Paul is saying is that every time he got persecuted, since Christ was now in heaven, people were doing to Paul what they would have liked to have done to Jesus. Every time they took their uh, hatred and venom out on a messenger of the gospel, they were doing to that person what they would like to do to Christ if they could simply get a hold of him. But since Christ lives in us the hope of glory, that persecutor was feeling like now they were doing something directly to Christ. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Acts chapter 9. You see, Jesus Christ is involved in every area of our life because he lives in us. And of this church, 25, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. The idea is to lay out the word of God fully. You can't quit on your stewardship. You can't. You've been given a stewardship. What's a steward? In the ancient world, a steward was a manager of somebody else's possessions, servants, household, everything. Joseph in Potiphar's house was his steward. And it is required of a steward that he be found, what? Faithful. That's all God wants from you, is faithfulness. He he knows you're not going to be perfect. He just wants you to know that when you fall and you skin your knee, just get up again. Don't quit on your stewardship. Don't quit on things that God has given you responsibility for. Don't quit on your spouse. Don't quit on your ministry. It's always too soon to quit. Paul says, I'm a minister. This comes from W.E. Sangster of Westminster Central Hall. He says, called to, to preach, commissioned by God to teach the word, a herald of the great king, a witness to the eternal gospel. Could any work be more high and holy? To this supreme task, God sent his only begotten son, In all the frustration and confusion of the times, is it possible to imagine a work comparable in importance with that of proclaiming the will of God to wayward men, question mark? Oh, but don't get me wrong, it's not an easy work. The ministry has its perils. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Hey, Pastor Michael and the team really appreciate you listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to bring you the truth of God's Word and help you apply it to your life. To equip you when people in your community have questions, not to throw the truth in their faces, but to have an answer for the hope you have inside you. Would you please help us with something? Would you please reach out to us today to tell us how Walk in Truth has been a blessing to you? We have a church board, and they would love to hear from our listeners. They want to know how this ministry is reaching you. We would love to know how Pastor Michael's messages have helped you day to day, or even just this one time if you're a first-time listener. Please take a couple moments to either call us and leave us a message or email us. The number is 844-48-TRUTH, or you can email us at contact at walkintruth.com. That's 844-48-TRUTH, 844-48-TRUTH, or contact at walkintruth.com. And thank you so much, and God bless. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. It's always too soon to quit. Paul says, I'm a minister. This comes from W.E. Sangster of Westminster Central Hall. He says, called to, to preach, commissioned by God to teach the word, a herald of the great king, a witness to the eternal gospel. Could any work be more high and holy? To this supreme task, God sent his only begotten son. In all the frustration and confusion of the times, is it possible to imagine a work comparable in importance with that of proclaiming the will of God to wayward men, question mark? Oh, but don't get me wrong, it's not an easy work. The ministry has its perils, I heard a pastor say recently that if he listened to everything his critics said, he said when the church was small, nobody paid attention to him. He said when, when the church was growing rapidly, everybody criticized him, and now that the church is extremely large, everybody resents him. <laughs> he says if I listen to my critics, and this is a man who could get on the internet and spend two weeks just looking at articles that are criticizing him, he said I would be devastated but I've learned something in ministry to have tough skin but a tender heart. You might want to write that down. Tough skin but a tender heart. Look, it's not easy to be involved in any kind of ministry because it involves people. I know. Some days I have very positive outlooks on folks. Other days, not so much. Some days I have a very positive outlook on myself. Other days, not so much. I disappoint myself regularly. (laughs) I do not meet my expectations most of the time. However, Christ lives in me. And I do not measure my life by all the outward stuff that the world measures stuff by. But I have a mystery I want to tell you about, and this is the final two verses as we lead into communion. And Paul says, that is the mystery 
which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints. That's you, brothers and sisters. This mystery was once hidden, now it's revealed. The Greek word for mystery here is musterion. If you just uh, spelled out mystery and added an I-O-N at the end, you'd have the word. For years, scholars believe that Paul was using a play on words from the mystery religions of the pagan world. But more recent scholarship believes that the word mystery is probably more linked to Daniel 2 and the idea that God is the revealer of mysteries and that God, in one sense, cloaked this mystery. The Messiah was predicted in the Old Testament in shadows and types, but the reality that he would live within the church was fully revealed through the preaching of the New Testament gospel. And now... You and I have an advantage. We know beyond the shadow of a doubt that if we're in Christ, he is in us. If we are in Christ, he is in us. He lives and makes his abode in his people. It's a mystery how this all works together. Many scholars say he does this through the power of the Holy Spirit, but he has made his abode in his church. That's how much he cares about you. He doesn't just check in once a week. How you doing? He doesn't send you a veiled text once a month. He lives in you, which should suggest that he cares about you. Amen? Some of us can't even put up with people for an hour. (laughs) He lives in you. Just think about it. It's awesome. God is the revealer of mysteries, and this is one of the mysteries he wanted you to know. He wants you to know. Among these mysteries are the mystery of the incarnate God, Colossians 2.2, Israel's unbelief, Romans 11.25, the mystery of lawlessness in 2 Thessalonians 2.7, the unity of Jew and Gentile in Ephesians 3.3-6, and even the mystery of the rapture in 1 Corinthians 15.51, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, we shall be changed. Final verse. To whom God willed to make known, that is to the church, what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, non-Jewish people, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him, John 14 23, Romans 8.10 says, If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. In 2 Corinthians 13.5, Paul says, Test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. Do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless you fail the test? And listen to these words, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. In John 6, as we get ready to take communion, Jesus gave a very difficult teaching, very controversial in the uh, understanding of this teaching, especially as it relates to the Roman Catholic Church. And Jesus said these words, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have No life in you. He was saying, in essence, you must take me in 
But the words that he spoke, if you look at John 6 carefully, John 6, 63 says, the words that I'm speaking to you are spirit and they are life. If I can put it this way, do not take me literally. I am speaking of spiritual things by using physical examples, which is all over the Bible. I'm not saying you must literally eat my flesh and drink my blood. I'm using metaphors like I am the door, like I am the good shepherd. I'm not literally uh, hinges and a piece of wood. I'm the way to God. And by using this illustration in John 6, what he was saying is when you take me into yourself, you will become alive and God will breathe life into you. When you take communion... You take elements that represent the life of God coming into you. It's already a reality, just like your baptism signifies what's already happened in your heart. Everybody with me? Baptism is an outward demonstration of an inward reality. The water doesn't save you. Christ saves you. The water demonstrates dying to the old self and coming out in resurrection life. It's a picture and in the same way, even though there's a debate about you know, what really happens at the communion table, ultimately, the idea of taking the bread and the juice is an idea of being reminded that Christ is in you. And that's why you have life. So as you come to, your, as you come to the table of the Lord as a Christian, you remember, Christ lives in me. I have his life in me. This is what the table's about. But the table is for Christians. And if you're not a Christian, I would just encourage you to become one right now and come to his table. You might say, well, Pastor Michael, what do I have to do to become a Christian? You have to ask Jesus into your life. This is a spiritual reality we're talking about here. You must ask the living God to come and make his abode in you. And if you do, he will. All he wants you to do is turn from your sin don't think that you can do it on your own, but trust in his finished work as a gift. Say, Lord, I open my heart. I'm ready to receive. And at that moment, if you'll repent of your sin and receive Christ, he will come in and make his home with you. You've been listening to Christ in You, the Hope of Glory, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Colossians 1, 20 through 27. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to Walk in Truth on this station. But please continue listening here because, well, this station is honoring the Lord by serving many more ministries in addition to ours. And you'll get to hear the latest broadcast from Pastor Michael. Walk in Truth is also available on your podcast app. It's on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many others. And you can listen to all of Pastor Michael's previous teachings. We have Pastor Michael's teachings on the book of Job, Psalms, First and Second Thessalonians, Galatians, Revelation, and many more. Listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want on your favorite podcast app. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, the bottom line is it's so good to know that Christ lives in us, the hope of glory. What does the hope of glory mean? It means that glory is on our future, brethren. That's where we're headed. We're on the glory train, man. And we're going to end up in a place that is glorious. We're going to see the glory of our God. We're going to see his face. 
We're going to see his glory in full display as we get resurrection bodies and we are in a new eternal kingdom. Hey, this world and its system are passing away and the lust of it are passing away as well. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. We're on the glory train. Christ in us, the hope of glory. We have the down payment of the Holy Spirit guaranteeing our future redemption. Hold on, dear saint. Jesus Christ is going to finish what he started in you. He who began that good work will complete it till the day of Christ. Well, here we are on the weekend. We have two Sunday morning services at Living Truth Christian Fellowship, where I serve as senior pastor. Hey, we're in the city of Corona, Southern California, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue in the Inland Empire. If you're anywhere in the area and you'd like to come and visit the church and worship with us, it's a great church, great worship team, great family of servants and believers. And what you hear here on the broadcast comes from the pulpit ministry of Living Truth in Corona. And we happen to be going through the incredible book of Exodus. So we'd love for you to join us, 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. We're located at 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona, 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. And you can find out more when you go to walkintruth.com and click on the church tab walkintruth.com click on that church tab and we'll see you at one of the services have a glorious weekend god bless and join us on monday for pastor michael lance's teaching in colossians 128 through 27 called complete in christ i'm mike massaro thanks for listening to walk in truth our goal is to equip you to reach out with god's truth to all people